With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to week 13. This is Stats versus Film, our flagship show your favorite show where we take everything that happened this past weekend look at all the tape all the performances combine that with hayden winks's spreadsheets metrics analytics all those fancy words that owners use out there and coaches to make them sound smart we put it together in the hopes of finding the answer again as we head into lucky number week 13 just ahead of the fantasy football regular season conclusion hayden how you feeling but doing well, uh, I was listening, I think it was the Monday night game, and they were talking about regression. And I was like, hey, this thing's going viral. They were talking about hey, it. Troy. Uh, yeah, exactly. Troy loves the R word. Okay, here we go. Today, as you all know, we go through the 10 headline teams, and then we go alphabetical order after that. Every single team played this past weekend. Oh, that makes it a long, long episode. And we'll start off positive here with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Hayden, in the beautiful game that they call football, not the one we play here overseas, you know, uh, there's something called the new manager bounce. And I would say that the Pittsburgh Steelers certainly hit that with their offensive performance uh, here in week 12. When you went back and watched, can he pick it wide yeah. receivers running game, Pat Fryermuth, what'd you see? Well, there is, is very evident, and Pat Fryman talked about it after the game. There was a focal point getting the ball over the middle and throwing the ball a little bit more downfield. Pat Fryermuth was one that completely went off in this game, and he said it right here that they wanted to get uh, the two high safety looks that the Bengals were showing, attack that. And as a reminder, the Bengals starting two new safeties this year versus the two that they were starting last year. I thought Kenny Pickett played uh, pretty well in this game. Now, I don't want to get too overboard just because the Steelers were still only putting up, what, 17 points or whatever it was. Right. But at least there were some shots down the field. I do think that Kenny Pickett can throw the ball fairly accurate when giving uh, the chance, but it was just nice to see them push the ball downfield. Uh, still ups and downs in the offense. Like I thought Deontay Johnson had a very up-and-down game, dropping that pass in the end zone, obviously the, the standing there fumble. Um, and I thought the ground game looked fairly well, too. I want to give a shout-out to Najee Harris. I believe we have some of his tape later on. But I thought Najee ran the ball. Uh, well broke a lot of tackles in this one the middle of the field presence which you know this team has not had for a good portion of the season with pat fryermuth being injured uh does open some doors i think for him to obviously be one of these relevant tight ends that we're talking about now also we can spin this as hey Bengals play a lot of too high coverage let's attack with tight ends against them as well 
Yeah, I mean, this team is one that is improving as it's going along. I made the statements earlier in the season that I don't want to watch this Pittsburgh Steelers team in in the playoffs, but they've made their offensive line changes. It is getting more cohesive, especially in the running game. And if Kenny Pickett can do what he did this past weekend in terms of hit his back foot and just fire the ball down the field and take a bit more chances and not be just this off-platform, out-of-structure quarterback, then they are fun. They do have fun players. And I think at times, obviously, the play caller has held them back. And at times, the quarterback has held them back in tandem along with that. But if they are firing in all cylinders like they were this past weekend, again, to the tune of 16 points, um, (laughs) then it makes it more enjoyable watch. Yeah. They played better than how many points they scored. I will say that. And I do wonder if just that the new play caller, which was the quarterback's coach for Kenny Pickett, if those two are on the same page a little bit more than Matt Canada True. and Kenny Pickett was entirely. So we'll see if some of as the season progresses, if there's any new concepts at play here. It used to just be 50-50 balls to the perimeter. At least this right. week we saw a balanced approach. I will say this, their neutral pass rate has decreased, decreased, decreased. I think it's because they're actually getting a functional ground game. Both Warren and Najee sense the bye, which is like week five, week six. They've been like top five, top 10 in all the rushing metrics across the league. Indianapolis Colts next. Heartbreaking news. Just as we've gotten like 100% Jonathan Taylor back into our lives from James Boyd, Jonathan Taylor will undergo thumb surgery tomorrow in Los Angeles with the hopes that he can return in two to three weeks. That would make it week 15 or week 16. I mean, the fantasy pivot is pretty easy here. It's yeah. it's over to Zach Moss, and we've talked about it on nearly every single Sunday show that we've had, that this is the time of year where you get that top running back handcuff, that running back insurance on the end of your bench. We can mm-hmm. run through the others across the league, but Zach Moss was at the top of that list. We know that he's been a tackle-breaking machine this season, including some long gains, which are uncharacteristic for him. And over the next two to three weeks, he's going to be ranked probably for you as a top 10 running back. Definitely top 10. Uh, Jonathan Taylor was the running back six this last month, and Zach Moss was top 10 for most of the time during his stint as well. And Zach Moss has just played very well. I think I trust this coaching staff to get it done. The offensive line is playing better. I think Gardner Minshew is at least keeping them afloat, all things considered. So, yeah, Zach Moss is going to be an absolute stud down the stretch. Uh, and we'll see about the the two, three weeks return for, for the Jonathan Taylor stuff. Uh, initially, there was like, Maybe he might go to injured reserve. The initial timeline right now is that he might beat that. But at the same time, I guess this team's trying to make the playoffs and like fight for for things. But we'll see how much they actually want to push things. In the meantime, Zach Moss is going to be a league winner. What a roller coaster season for Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, you know, it really I mean, having everything go on through training camp, miss what the opening three to four games of the season be a 20 percent, then 50 percent player. And then again, now over these last really three games, 12.9, 13.5, and 21.1, those are just standard points. Yeah, it's going to be even lower in half-point PPR. And then now we get this. Um, the Colts are still second in the AFC South, 6-5. and five. I mean, yeah. if you have a winning record at this portion of the year with competent quarterback play, uh, <laughs> you're doing something right. Mm-hmm. And then in the next few games for them, Hayden, they are absolutely the playoff hunt. It's the Titans, yeah. it's the Bengals, it's the Steelers, it's the Falcons, it's the Raiders over the next five games. Yeah, I also want to give credit to Jonathan Taylor fighting through this injury. He apparently suffered this in the first half, and I just showed oh. it on the chart. He played a lot in the second half. We were all wondering why there was, they went back to the committee. Well, it's because his thumb was on sideways, and he was still yeah. running hard. I asked John Daigle this question during the Instant Reaction show on Sunday night about how Josh Downs could see 
13 targets and only catch five or six of them. Uh, he yeah. gave a total non-answer. I think he was just ignoring me. Um, so I went back and watched all of them. Okay. Um, there's nothing really to write home about to me. I was like, one was a contested end zone target. The next one was an interception where he kind of settled in the area and Minshew thought he was going to keep running in. Um, another was a high target on a mesh concept, a few other contested passes. And the final one was a sideline vertical route, which, you know, is somewhat uncharacteristic for Josh Downs. But typically we think of him as, you know, a high catch rate player. Um, and that's to go along with obviously one of the most consistent wide receivers in the league with Michael Pittman right now. Removing the other games with Josh Downs, where he's been in and out of the lineup, he popped up and is like now all of a sudden top 10 in usage. I'm not expecting that to change, but he did have 15 expected points last week, 32% target share. That's enough to get him going. And I was looking at like just screens to see who's kind of actually being the PPR scams of the season. Uh, Michael Pittman is not a PPR scam, but for a player his size, he's still like top five in wide receiver targets. Uh, that are screens this year. So that's what yeah. makes makes him super consistent. And he's actually very good after the catch, and that's why he actually gets targeted. I mean, I think that's the Minshew effect. It's also mm -hmm. what we saw last year with, you know, Matt Ryan and Sam Allen a Frank Reich off, and so on and so forth. He right? did SC too. Yeah. Um, I do think if G can just spin this forward a bit next year, he can do more than that, yeah. you know? And with Anthony Richardson, he's going to be able, hopefully Anthony Richardson, it's going to be able to do more of that. Okay, Chicago Bears are next. And these next few teams are about kind of running back changes or ones that we get new information into. Um, we knew that Deontay Foreman was going to be inactive for this Monday night football game. We were getting questions again on our Sunday morning start sit show about what we should do with Khalil Herbert. I was optimistic about Khalil Herbert because earlier this year, we've seen good things from Khalil Herbert before he missed time due to injury. I think the Bears understand now their season is lost from a playoff standpoint. And so it's time to go to the rookie. And what yeah. we saw, 51 snaps for Roshan Johnson in comparison to just 15 for Khalil Herbert. And yes, negative game script, but not out of whack. No, and it was actually fairly early when he was getting in there. So I don't think it was very garbage time related. Uh, it, he had 12.2 expected half PPR points on 75% of the snaps. And I think that they're going to see what he has. Uh, his tape is so funny because he runs really hard. He is one of the guys that does seem to run at players a little bit too much. It doesn't necessarily have the wiggle that you're looking for. This was a very rare miss uh, pass pro. He's usually very good at that. So I agree with you. This is just evalu evaluation mode for these young players. And Roshan Johnson can catch passes. He can run between the tackles. So he has like this bell cow profile. Now on the, 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 the scale of bell cow talents, I'm not sure. Yeah. I think he's kind of on the, the bad side of it, but in theory, he could go out there and handle 75% of the snaps like he did last week. I mean, he's really good at shrugging off contact and making yes. these spin moves and forcing some missed tackles. I have somewhat of a theory for you, okay? I'm One, obviously do believe that since they showed this, then Roshan is their dude. But let's also take it from a top-down approach for what the Chicago Bears showed last night. Yeah, It was somewhat reminiscent to what the Panthers did. Um, with Bryce Young against this Minnesota Vikings defense while it wasn't checking into screens because of zero blitz looks and things. I think they predetermined a lot of these screens and behind the line of scrimmage passes. Yeah. And if that's going to be what you're going to do and maybe suck in some of the rush with Justin Fields and having Roshan Johnson out there who is a proven pass-catching yes. running back over Khalil Herbert might have been an answer on top of that too. 
I think it's a great theory. Um, I just wanted to post this uh, this little last play. Watch Roshan diagnose and block two guys all the way <laughs> to the ground on that last one. We saw that on tape a, a lot. So, yeah, it was just a really bad game for the Bears. Like, you can just feel Justin Fields was under pressure a lot. You can still feel some of the self-inflicted wounds that he was I mean, having. Those two he, fumbles were brutal, beyond brutal. He made a couple special plays. Totally. But- and actually, the previous week and early in the game, he was doing the things that we had hoped that he w- he could have yeah. done where it was not letting bad plays turn into awful plays. Right. And then he kind of just reverted back to that. It was yeah. facing the Vikings defense is unlike almost any other, if not mm-hmm. any other, across mm-hmm. the league. And just how Bar- Brian Flores sends people. And again, they're starting to gel much better now than they did mm-hmm. earlier in the season. It must just make a quarterback's head spin yeah. a little bit. Yep, I completely agree with that. Uh Quick shout out, DJ Moore right now. He's yep. dropping fewer passes than he has in his career. He's forcing more missed tackles than he has in his career, and he's catching more deep balls than he has in his career. So right now, he's actually top five in uh, points over expected according to my model. So getting out of Carolina and somehow Chicago is a better landing spot for him. Right now, he's been averaging like 17 half PPR points with Justin Fields. Now, some of those games were like completely regressionable, but – He's getting it done right now. Uh, and shout out Luke Getze for calling three or four uh, Cole Komet screens in the first quarter. So why not? New things that you see every single week. Okay. Along with this running back trend that we're talking about here, the Baltimore Ravens. Um, Keaton Mitchell played more than I was expecting. And yes. in situations that I wasn't expecting either. What was the breakdown that you saw between these backs? It was just that they weren't using Gus Edwards as much like on the early down carries. And you actually see Mitchell was getting a bulk of the usage early on. It was a three back rotation. Justice Hill popped in there for a goal line opportunity, which was also something new, but it was just less Gus and more Mitchell. Now it wasn't more Mitchell in the fact that now we can play him every single week as an RB two. It just means that his odds of hitting as a flex play go up obviously the chargers it felt like every single time he touched the ball he was this close to absolutely popping off for a big play so it was a great uh i thought a matchup for someone like he can just get him in space and see if the chargers know how to tackle or find the right angles uh and they don't uh but mitchell every single time he touched the ball he, he continues to earn more opportunities i think that they will limit him to this kind of 12 touches or less but yeah. we're now getting close to where it's like becoming 10 to 12 touches. And previously we were worried that it was just going to be four to six. Yeah. I mean, any player that brings this level of juice to a team, I, I love seeing, especially a team that, you know, lost one of the, their most important pieces in mm-hmm. Mark Andrews and probably want to try to generate explosive plays any way that they can. I did notice, and he didn't get a touch or anything, but on the Zay Flowers touchdown catch, I did notice that Gus Edwards was in there for, uh, you know, just in the backfield. So yeah. like, again, less volume from Gus Edwards is a pretty big deal because mm-hmm. he is now solely like a touchdown dependent player. Yeah. Last week he had 4.5 expected half PPR points. And I would say for Gus Edwards, this was a great matchup against the chargers, right? He's now down to the running back 36 in usage this last month. So I had a pretty big split between Gus and Keaton the last couple weeks. I think now it's like back to back. RB 30 obviously this week there's a lot of bye weeks so we'll have to kind of play figure that stuff out but the gap is officially completely closed two other names I wanted to hit on here um Zay Flowers again in his first full game without 
Mark Andrews. Um, again, they continue to use him in yards after catch opportunity ways. I mean, the drag route that he caught, it's all to square up and get yards after the catch. And then obviously the manufactured touch yep. behind the line of scrimmage where he makes an awesome cut. And then you saw it at the end where it was one vertical shot. And those have been super hit or miss this entire season. And yep. that was a miss. So we're going to talk about some of these rookies. Another one here in a moment with another team, but I guess this is kind of the portion of the season with these contenders. They're like, okay, we know what these guys can do. Let's kind of spam that button to the best of their abilities and see if they make a play. And obviously Zay, Zay Flowers, excuse me, did that. He's going to be a yards after the catch guy. I'm still waiting for that middle part of the field to open up for him to see if he can like truly be a number one wide receiver in an offense or if he's going to be a high touch wide receiver too. This last week, 10.3 expected half PPR points without Mark Andrews. Over the last month, he's only the wide receiver 53 in usage, but I will be ranking him as a wide receiver three right now. Uh, Odell Beckham was only out there for 12 of the 38 routes. We'll see where he lands on the injury report this last week. And then Isaiah Likely, everyone's favorite player, 84% routes. That's a good thing. Uh, we also had a 19% target share that only led to 5.7 expected points for him last week, but that does get him in the upside tight end two rankings at the very worst. We're just seeing, I would do wonder if we're just going to see this offense become really, really run heavy for like the middle mm. part of the season. They were actually more balanced than they have been in, in previous years. I do wonder just because now they have Mitchell rocking and rolling. Gus bus has been providing value and obviously Lamar Jackson. If just the total target volume is going to be there. Uh, like maybe we were hoping for. Yeah. Don't love this close to the line of scrimmage completions, right? For tight ends, I would love more of this. The Mark mm -hmm. Andrews portion of the field for Isaiah Likely. Um, maybe he can get there. Again, he ran a ton of routes, as you said. Played 52 of 71 snaps, 33 in the slot, 15 in line, 4 out yep. wide. Um, that, to me, shows that, again, they trust him to at least be on the field. Yes. Let's just hope he can find those soft areas against zone and maximize it a bit. Because, again, I, I think he is athletic at the position. And to me, that brings me upside at yeah. that spot. Yep. Okay. Kansas City Chiefs. Rasheed Rice. A, let's say, career week so nice. far. Um, what did you see when watching Rasheed Rice this past weekend? Well, it's a lot of the yards after the catch stuff. That's where they want to start with him. He did make a great play down the sideline. They just forced him out there. Obviously, losing Kadarius and McCole Hardman is a big deal for just the amount of snaps. And that's why he was out there for 68% of the routes, season high 10.3 expected half PPR points. I think he's firmly on the wide receiver three list um, just because the snaps are up to a, a point where I think that he deserves more looks. And he does have a little bit of that yards after the catch oh, yeah. uh, factor. Um, and I think they're going to have to lean in on him and, yeah, they, they need him to step up. If they're going to win the Super Bowl, Rice needs to become a real player. And I think they want to really force him the ball these next couple of weeks before they start ramping up for the playoffs and they start like ironing out like who exactly is going to be on the field, who's going to actually be in the game plan. Okay, here's my comment on the real player stuff. To me, he's not running as what our friend Matt Horn would say, big boy routes. Yes. There are no real inside breaking routes, no intermediate downfield stuff other, let's say, than this back shoulder that we just saw along the yeah. sideline. That was like th the best version of that that we've mm -hmm. seen so far. What we are seeing is just more of the stuff that he is good at, which is good. Right. I like, like it. That, that is that is good coaching in order mm -hmm. to get a player where he wins. But 
I want to push back on the idea that like we are seeing development um, because we aren't seeing that from a complete wide receiver standpoint, but that's okay. Like if he's in the game, he's probably going to get force fed the ball and he's a powerful yards after catch player. And that is something that the Chiefs team does not have this season other than him. Agree with that. The other thing I want to point out in this video, Sky Moore has this huge wrap on his knee. So he's battling through something. So like that's another wide receiver that has an, an injury ailment in this. So yeah, I think it's just going to be a lot of Rasheed Rice down the stretch. Uh, do you want to throw out Justin Watson, 63% of the routes last week? He's up to the wide receiver 25 in usage this month. Obviously, he had a huge target game uh, two weeks ago. I don't think he's very good, but I do think that it right now it's officially Justin Watson and Rasheed Rice in like the flex type of category, depending on matchups. Okay, question for you, because you know, this is finally an offense that scored some second half points. We talked about that on Sunday night football. Isaiah Pacheco popped up for 23.4 half point PPR points. Prior to that, in the three games, it was 5.2, 6.6, and 9.6. What should people be doing with Isaiah Pacheco? monitoring uh jarek mckinnon status he's just going to catch more passes i think that was kind of the big difference in this one caught a, a few more of them and then once the game kind of got out of out of hand in the late in the second half he got used a little bit more so uh, to me he's the same old player runs extremely hard definitely has the juice and this year the difference has been he's actually catching some passes and i think obviously that's gonna uh keep going especially if jarek mckinnon's out okay we close that wide receiver book with Rasheed Rice and go to the next one with the Jacksonville Jaguars and Calvin Ridley, who, Hayden, over the last, what, four weeks of the season from week nine until week 12, he is the wide receiver eight in points per game. Right. Uh, yes, in week 10, just three. But over the last two weeks, 27.6, then 19.4. You know me. As soon as we get a glimmer of hope, and we talked about it last week and why it happened, um, I am going to latch on to that with Calvin Ridley because I think he is a very, very talented football player. How do you think people should be handling Calvin Ridley in their starting lineups? If this trend continues that he's being used inside, then I think we need to completely buy in. This was like the only like this is like the old Calvin Ridley routes that we were getting early on the season. Of course, he did drop this one. It could have even been a bigger day, but this is the route running that. Oh. Calvin really should really lean into. Maybe he's lost a step down the field, but this feel for the route running, I do think is still there. And we saw a lot more underneath routes, a lot more uh, different directions that he can run in this one, a lot more play action shots on top of that. So things are starting to gel together. It's not because Zay Jones is on the field. It's because they're utilizing Calvin really different differently. These back-to-back -back plays in the end zone right here, these were nasty, nasty. I mean, that's nasty unguardable. Nasty. So yeah. he's wide receiver eight in usage or wide receiver eight in production, wide receiver 21 in usage this month. Let's just hope that we keep him closer to uh, the linemen so he can actually run two-way routes. Yeah. Again, a month ago, I theorized about the Zay Jones, Calvin Ridley dynamic. Then last week when it popped off, once Zay Jones returns, uh, that theory gained traction. I think there's slightly truth to it, but it's not the big answer. The big answer are these tighter splits. It's stacked alignments. It's again, motioning into it with Christian Kirk or whoever. And it's not asking him as we saw in some of those clips and you saw it throughout the entire early portion of the season, be halfway between the numbers and the sideline. And then just when, in mm -hmm. isolation. No, instead it's getting close to the formation, giving you more fuel to work with and working over the middle of the field. It makes sense. I mean, 
Hayden, this was the portion of the season last year when this team really started to figure out the offense, Correct. right? It was like week eight and on. I know we're a bit later than that. This is a new player to their team that, to me, was going to unlock the ceiling of them 15-plus yards down the field. And again, a five-reception, a nine-yard, one-touchdown performance. And I want to add a secret second episode of Scheme is coming out this week just focusing on Calvin Ridley and this Jaguars offense. Let's uh, go. With McCoy because – I think you all will buy in a little bit more and learn to trust the talent of Calvin Ridley. Where are we at with Christian Kirk? Because I went back the five games with Zay, and that's obviously with everybody healthy. Uh, <laughs> Zay's only, the problem for one and the answer for the other, right? Right. Only 8.7 expected half PPR points in those five games. So I'm going to be ranking Calvin ahead of Christian Kirk right now. Um, I do think that maybe Christian Kirk, if, if we are getting Calvin Ridley running more of the Christian Kirk E type of routes for a lack of better way to explain it. I do wonder if we see Christian Kirk take a little bit of a dip. I still think he's a wide receiver three flex, but there was, there were times when people, he was like a wide receiver two. Yeah. I, I do think we got some weird performances last week from the Jaguars. Now one, they put up 364 yards against the Texans. That's great. But we got Luke Farrell out there yes. with three catches, 55 yards, which we talk about with actually 13 personnel. This team had two explosive plays, of 20 plus yards out of three tight end sets. And one was totally empty and one was condensed. Really cool stuff. Go watch scheme and subscribe to the channel. Um, and then Dearness Johnson with a 42 yard reception too. Yep. So like, I don't think that those happen on, yep. on a weekly basis that for sure. But like solving the riddle of Calvin Ridley is, is pretty sweet for this team. And look, I'm going to continue as people know, starting him until mm -hmm. something bad happens from here on out. Okay. One more wide receiver to talk about. It's actually a duo. The Los Angeles Rams, the conundrum, Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua, what are you doing? Well, Cooper Cup's now the wide receiver, 43 in usage. He's played five healthy games this year. He's averaging 10.3 half PPR points. Uh, Puka Nakua with Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford is at 11.9 expected half PPR points. What was so weird and frustrating last week is the offense looked amazing. Yeah. You know, it just didn't go to them. So uh, there'll be better game scripts for Puka and Cooper Cup. But I do wonder if Cooper Cup just playing through too many injuries where even if he does get the targets that we were hoping for, he's just not going to be the same player. And Puka is a legitimate threat to me just because he's so good on tape. So, yeah, I don't think that I'll be ranking these guys near the upside wide receiver two stuff that I was hoping for. That said, if Matthew Stafford is keeping this team in the playoff on, he's playing as well as he did yeah. last week. Like to me, there's still upside pass. I just think that we've seen too many of the downside weeks now that we have to like really pay attention to them. Part of me wants to say that when a player goes for 200 yards and three touchdowns uh, and then another tight end goes for two touchdowns, then obviously two other players on the team aren't going to get there. Right. But then I thought that this tweet from Matt Harmon was fantastic. Uh, just quoting him, many factors at play regarding Cooper Cup's recent statistical slump, but this is a big one. Percentage of Cooper Cup's targets to come on design plays in 2021, that was 12.3, obviously when he had a historic year. Then in 2022, in what, six or eight games that we had with him, and they had yeah. literally no one else to play football, that was up to 23.7%. And this year in 2023, it's down to 4.2%. And it makes sense when you have someone like Cooper Cup, when now you have someone like Kyron Williams, who's a top three running back uh, statistically in the NFL, 
when he plays, right? So you don't have to manufacture stuff as much to Cooper Cup. And I saw that when going back and watching all these targets, when everything was just short to the outside and we didn't really get that middle of the field work that we were accustomed to. Yeah, I mean, that that tweet sums it up. Shout out to, to Matt Harmon, knows some ball. Anything you want to say about uh, league winner, Kyron Williams? Let's put a title on it. So Royce was out there, like actually stealing some reps from him. So obviously game script went completely in Kyron's favor. That said, just scheme fit, Kyron, they're running duo. Nate Tice keeps talking about how the duo runs, uh, which is basically two double teams working to the next level. And Kyron's used to that's what they do at Notre Dame. He's so familiar with catching passes. The pass pros there. Matthew Stafford, trust him. You're getting these design looks, obviously. Watching this game on, on Rewind, Cardinals defense, very problematic. I will say that. But but Kyron Williams, he is a perfect fit for what Sean McVay wants to do. If he ran a little bit faster, that would this play right here would have been a touchdown. But we'll forgive him uh, just because he's so good at everything else. I mean, Christian McCaffrey this year, 22.6 fantasy points per game, half point PPR. Kyron Williams next at 20. Then we got A-Chan, Mostert, Alvin Kamara, David Montgomery from anywhere 19.6 to 16.5. I mean, when you are the only other back to have 20 plus on average per game, that is special stuff for a player who like we did not even know he was going to be this featured in week one because didn't play preseason. Cam Akers didn't play in preseason. And now we get this just truly one of the best stories of um of the fantasy football season yep just wanted to, just because i have it right here you can see kyren started the game royce did get some first half touches but at the goal line it was kyren two minute drill kyren and then in between all that you're gonna get the receptions and design stuff that royce is just not gonna get and again shout out to sean mcveigh for what he is doing with this roster that was a bunch of studs and then duds and then they've hit on, obviously, some draft picks over mm-hmm. recent years, even getting things out of Tutu Atwell, which I thought you can just banish him to the nether right. realm. Um, and then especially on defense, how well they are playing with a bunch of those late round picks, free agents from elsewhere, so on and so forth. Um, as we were talking about the Rams, I do want to keep in mind, it's the Browns defense and the Ravens defense over the next two weeks. But they are in the playoff hunt, like you said, at five and six. And the shellacking that the offensive line put on that mm-hmm. Arizona Cardinals defensive front was one of the best performances that you'll see all season from anyone. I found one last note. Go. Rams, neutral pass rate, they are 29th this last month. So wow. that's also going to hurt the Cooper Cup and Puka stuff. Um, could some of that be when Matthew Stafford was injured and they just you know, were going through the running game Definitely. and all that type of stuff? Yeah. Okay. Carolina Panthers are next. Um, Frank Reich fired along with Deuce Staley, along with true friend of the channel, Josh McCown. Uh, Hayden, let's focus on just the coaching decision and stuff. Okay. Um, what are your thoughts? Nobody cares about my thoughts. You, you, The floor is yours. <laughs> no, I mean, we kind of called this on, on Sunday night, didn't we? Yeah. Um, I truly think that David Tepper wants to win. He yes. just does not know how to win. I understand him being like, oh, this this version's not working. We got to move on. Like he saw like, right, we're not going to win with Baker. We're not going to move with Sam Darnold. We're going to keep sending people out of there. He will have to become patient eventually. Uh, I, I guess like my thing is like, was Reich wanting this quarterback? Was there tension between that? Like when did this thing get rocky 
obviously the on-field performance is one thing, but I, I was just curious of like what your thoughts on like how we got here with Bryce and obviously the Tepper interview uh, from this morning. Yeah. I mean the Tepper interview going for 14 minutes and answering like six questions. That was tough. I mean, real bad stuff when it's back to back seasons where you have fired a coach in in season that's right. nutso stuff for a guy who also has brass testicles previously in his office and is like hey we right. gotta step up on a big occasion to your point about the quarterback stuff what i'm seeing now as a narrative out there is that david tepper is the only reason that bryce young was the number one pick uh that's foolish now i think if you want to say well, David Tepper's the billionaire. He's the owner. He has the final say over everything. That's wrong. Yeah, you can say that statement. But what I am trying to stress is he is not the only person in there that wanted Bryce Young to be the number one overall selection. So to, to spin it as uh, David Tepper is why Bryce Young is on this team, again, I, I want to push back on that. Um, I also want to say I am not caping for David Tepper. I think bad teams stay bad because of bad ownership. At the same time, I think letting go of Frank Reich was absolutely the right call here. Mm -hmm. uh, it just truly was not going to work. Um, and that is pretty clear. There have been a lot of, you know, previous examples of teams that have been in these situations with meddling owners. And the only ones that like truly succeed are when they finally look in the mirror and say, okay, I need to take a step back and get people who actually do a good job. Jed York was an example of this with the San Francisco 49ers. And he gave six-year contracts to Cal yeah. Shanahan in tandem with John Lynch. Uh, unfortunately, people like Cal Shanahan are not out there every single year. And you also wonder about all of the recent decisions, the impatience, the lack of process. And I understand he kept Matt Rule for three years and now got rid of Frank Reich. But to me, the recent meddling decisions of again to bring up this quote that Albert Breer put out there of quote his thing is the minute it gets bad it's going to get worse so we better try something else that is the definition of what we saw from Teddy Bridgewater to Sam Darnold to Baker Mayfield in three straight seasons rather than showing some process of okay let's just stick with one guy and if it goes bad it goes bad and then we take a young guy I guess yeah I think I mean all those guys were bad you got to move on from them I think where this the whole thing went wrong was thinking that Bryce was going to solve your problems immediately. The trade up for Bryce removed your best offensive player, and the rest of the team is just not at a respectable oh level. And that's going to be the hard part for Tepper to get this thing back on track this next year is because I think all of the top um, candidates for head coaching and OC are going to go to teams like the Bills and the Chargers where you have an elite quarterback already in place, assuming that those two coaches – do get let go that said tepper's got the dough and once the money starts coming across <laughs> it's going to be hard to pass up like for me you have an impatient owner and that's willing to give me i don't know 30 million dollars over the next four years sign me up oh, more so, than that yeah it might be a six-year 72 million dollar deal to ben johnson but perfect. you know ben johnson will then have the decision of who turned them down last year by the way he right. took a zoom interview and then was asked to come in and by all accounts multiple reports um, they wanted to offer him the job. North Carolina guy walked on at Chapel Hill, so on and so forth. Um, he just turned it down. Probably thought he wasn't either ready for that opportunity or an opportunity in general. So to get to my point with Ben Johnson, do you want to go for the money and Bryce Young, who I actually think people around the league will want to work with, 
like it's not a deterrent i think for as many people as the media is putting it out for um and or is it do you want to work with you know justin herbert and lost in this chargers dynamic like that with less money attached to it like Mm -hmm. that is the dynamic some of these offensive play callers will have to work with here yeah i agree this team does not have pieces moving forward like (laughs) i want to make that completely clear this year and next year are going to be very tough it's 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 really brutal and then some of the guys hayden who are old or declining or weren't good contracts that they signed this offseason are locked into money next year yeah and then their good players are not (laughs) (laughs) other than that it's it's going great maybe they can use that practice facility um i I have a stats versus film note real quick yeah adam Thielen before the buy was averaging 13 expected half PBR points since then that's dropped to 10 we saw a bottoming out this last week uh there as well so they're just i think they're trying to get him the ball but just things have just not been going well i will say d is dj shark like the worst route runner in the whole league i mean what is what is this it's like you and i saw the exact same thing where it was a play that um oh there were really two of them where (laughs) where bryce got smoked thanks to icky aquano that happened a few times in the game but it was an isolated like sideline route or a comeback route he was trying to run and twice hayden as you saw he ran directly into the arms of the corner and then tries to push off and then run back that is not that that, like that is not nfl caliber wide receiver play i want to pull up this from um and like again there's there's like a ton of issues all around but including the quarterback who i would say five of the 45 dropbacks were just like okay bryce if we're going to thread a needle here, you need to make these plays and yeah. you just didn't in those. But I love this every single week where uh, bottom left are guys who can't wait the catch point or yards with the catch and then separation grade at the bottom. And then it's uh, Terrace Marshall, DJ Chark and John and Mingo all in the bottom. Left. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. And I'm with you on like the. Hey, Adam Thielen's a guy on third down. Let's try to force him the football. And now defenses are just so aware of that, as you saw yeah. multiple times, like a Mike Vrabel led defense just knows that, hey, let's shift our linebacker in that direction and have four eyeballs on him. Anything with a new offensive coordinator like that that we can take for fantasy, it's there's nothing to work with. I, maybe I, my guess, maybe they like do like more Chuba Hubbard in ground game and see if they can really get that thing going, but I don't know. You know, but what's funny, Hayden? Like as much as the pass pro absolutely sucks, the run blocking might be even worse. Mm. Like, the run blocking might be even worse. Yeah. Bradley Bozeman is horrific as a center. They tried to shift over to the zone, wide zone stuff, and he's an unathletic center. The guards are allowing instant penetration. Another one just got injured. And then, like, Icky isn't getting to the second level. He can't right. do anything now. And so a lot of those runs were getting blown up at the same time, too. Plus, mm-hmm. it's just, like, poor preparation and coaching. That first third and one, I don't know if you saw it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I watched I, the whole thing. Dude, how about this? Have you seen an offensive line where the interior, both of their feet are off the ground? They're just like the last play of the game, the the screen, the watch the center. He's just like up in the air. I'm like, where are we doing? It's 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 real bad. And like to your point, it's not one of these situations where you, okay, if we fix this aspect. The funniest thing is the general manager said, like, we fix the defense, yeah. we fix the offensive line and Scott Fitterer, and now we just drop a quarterback right. into it. And then, like, clearly the offensive line is not fixed. And they kept yeah. the same O-line coach and James Campen from last year. So, yeah, that's that. Okay, more positive things. How about one of the best offenses in the league in the Dallas Cowboys? Um, what do you want to say about them? Because the train keeps moving on. We've talked about it. Sure, they haven't beaten a good team yet. 
Uh, but they are throwing it vertical. They're throwing it over the middle. Uh, and now Tony Pollard is starting to rumble. We are seeing the Cowboys change their offense. They are now second in neutral pass rate. They are second in wide receiver usage. Obviously, that's me- meant a lot for CeeDee Lamb. But now Brandon Cooks is at, at least having opportunities to win downfield. We're seeing Tolbert and Gallup kind of rotate evenly as the number three spots. But Brandon Cooks and Jake Ferguson, I think, are both every week starters at this point just because Dallas is passing the ball like crazy. And deservedly so. Like Dak Prescott is like playing like a top five dude in the league. I would say he's been the best quarterback in the NFL this last uh, month of the season. He's number one in uh, PFF's big-time throw rate. Also number one in turnover worthy throw rate as well. Extremely hard to do, but everything's gelling for this offense. I just think that simply put, they're passing the ball more and that just meant good things for everybody. We have a whole scheme episode on this with Colt McCoy. Um, Mike McCarthy has evolved a little bit. You know, there was a portion where I think it was a beat writer. I think on the athletic football show, God, I can't remember um, with Zach Kiefer and he was talking as if, you know, they kept 70, 80% of the playbook. And it kind of shows, I mean, it's these explosive plays that Kellen Moore was awesome with last season. And look, now that you can utilize CD lamb who has ascended in multiple spots. Now we're getting, you know, Brandon cooks on the outside one-on-one and he's winning those Jalen Tolbert, who, you know, was a second or third round pick by them last off season. People thought it'd be in the starting lineup. He's making like one or two splash plays per game. Same thing with Jake Ferguson. They're getting Cavante Turpin the ball here or there as well. Um, it's just such a fun team. Eight and three. Truly, I think a Super Bowl contender. Oh, hell yeah. They're, I think they're a top three team in the league for sure. And I, Dak should 100% be in the MVP race. Now they got the Seattle Seahawks this week and the Seahawks are going in the opposite direction. And again, we're going to get our answers. The Dallas Cowboys. We talked about it on Sunday night, but Eagles, Bills, Dolphins, Lions in four of the final five weeks for this team. To answer your Tony Pollard question, running back 21 on running back 16 usage this month. So upside RB2, we'll pick our battles based off of matchups, but obviously when they pass the ball this much, that's taking a little bit off for Tony. But back-to-back games with the score? Mm -hmm. That's that's refreshing. Regression works. Could be worse. And as we talked about with Zach Moss at the front, Rico Daddle needs to be at the end of your bench if he's available. Contingency play. Philadelphia Eagles closes our top 10 here. Um, Again, we discussed it on Sunday night. Bad performance in the first half from like a throwing standpoint, but they just have superstars that can win in the second half. And they've done it before. They've been there before. And a lot of these other teams have not. Yeah, there wasn't like anything like really stood out. Uh, Devontae Smith, a couple RPO passes working in a lot of just zone coverages and just got loose. But yeah, this team was just completely on fire uh, late in, in the game. And Devontae Smith was making some big plays. So right now, uh, Devontae Smith was averaging 7.8 expected half PPR points with Dallas Goddard. That's up to 10.0 uh, right now. So things are trending upwards for him. He's always an efficient player, but now he's like legitimately getting the ball. I will say the Eagles are only 25th in wide receiver usage this month, just because they have been a little bit more balanced this year than they have been in the past. So uh, maybe that's the new play caller. Maybe they're based off of the matchups. Um, but the Eagles historically uh, have been like really high up in neutral pass rate this year, a little bit more balanced. Uh, so we'll see if that trend continues. Where are they with running back usage? Uh, DeAndre Swift and 
you know, they had a buy in week 10, but in week nine, 8.4, then 18.2, then 8.9. Again, I think DeAndre Swift is a talented football player. We see like an explosive run here or there, but if, you know, Jalen Hurts is the one that's scoring these short yardage touchdowns, then that's kind of a make or break of eight or nine points or, you know, right. 15 or 16 points. Yeah, that, that's the interesting thing. Even though they're low on wide go. receiver usage, they're also low in running back usage. The reason why, Jalen Hurts. I mean, Jalen Hurts, could we, like, Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen, they were mid-third-round picks again this year in fantasy. Like, I don't get it. They've been absolute ballers again this year. Yeah. Look how bad the <laughs> round two and round three uh, fantasy landscape has been at other positions other than quarterback um so Devontae uh, Smith was going ahead of Jalen Hurts if Devontae Smith was going to be good I I'm going to guess that Jalen Hurts is also going to be good yeah and look quarterback injuries happen especially around the league but uh these guys are the mainstays that is for sure okay before we go on to the rest of the league we are at this point 43 minutes in Josh you're an awful host because at this point I have not told you to subscribe to this channel hit that thumbs up button look this is the portion where a lot of people check out where you might not have made it this far, but if you have, the goal for us is to get 100,000 subscribers. And the only way we can do it is if you hit that button, okay? So be one of the greats. And during this downtime, it's cold, Hayden. It's like 33 freaking degrees and windy here in Brooklyn. It freaking sucks. So make my life better and hit that subscribe button. Move to California. It's beautiful. out. <laughs> it's like 72. Arizona Cardinals. So this was statistically the best Marquise Brown game that I have seen uh, yeah. attached to Kyler Murray this year. That equaled six for 88 on still 12 targets. Look, I am giving Kyler a pass when it comes to this year coming off this injury, but there's plenty of inaccuracies on a weekly basis that we're seeing so far three games in. His on-target rate's the worst in his career. It's also his highest average depth of target of his career, according to Sports Info Solutions, up at 9.4 yards downfield. So it is a little bit more of a boom-bust offense. Obviously, the air raid is going to be throwing the ball underneath constantly. And Kyler Murray, we should expect him to not be fully himself this year. Uh, he's still just trying out to see if he's going to be the Cardinals quarterback. They do have the second overall pick. So that's kind of... The, the thing, he needs to not have the first or second overall. Exactly. If he wants to stay with the Cardinals, we'll see about that. Um, but the reason why Marquise Brown scored or popped off this week is because he caught his downfield catch the last two weeks. They both went incomplete. So it's going to be a very volatile wide receiver three. I was hoping that we we're going to get like consistent wide receiver two production out of Marquise Brown because we've seen it before with Kyler Murray. Kyler just not himself. Right now, I will say the scrambling ability and the, some of the design rushes that's there. It's just interesting that, like, coming off the, the knee injury, the accuracy has been the problem, but also right. that could be timing routes that could just be learning a new offense and then trying to figure all that type of stuff out. So, it's not just the knee injury, it's also a completely new offense. Yeah, you mentioned him wow. catching a vertical route. Yeah, he caught one of four. Um, right. I noticed that when going back and, and watching, and I think one of them was underthrown, one I might have been a penalty that I picked up, but this is a very clear visual of how they want to utilize Marquise mm -hmm. Brown in this offense underneath crossers or drag routes or mesh and then run down the field Marquise yeah. and use your speed. Both are just utilizations of speed. So mm -hmm. to me, Hayden, if we do get one of these games in the next four or five weeks where Kyler is accurate then we could have a big, big Brown game. Yeah, this is like the DFS play. I think he's still a, a very much a wide receiver three. I just wish he was going to be a little bit more consistent. As for the other players, uh, Greg Dorch has had 10.2 and 11.4 expected half PPR points. Without Michael Wilson, we'll see if he's going to come back. And then Trey McBride, 
It's been five games without Zach Ertz. He's averaging almost 11 expected half PPR points. He's a locked in tight end one. Last note, James Conner, he's down to running back 30 usage this month. The Cardinals are dead last in running back usage just because their defense is miserable at this point. I think they're going to see what they have in Kyler Murray throw the ball downfield rather than like run like a balanced offense. Like why design a, a, a catch to James Conner when you're trying to evaluate if Caleb Williams, Drake May, or Kyler Murray is going to be your franchise quarterback? To go back to what you said, again, they do have the second pick right now because they have two wins on the season. Um, they close out this year with the Steelers, the 49ers, the Bears, the Eagles, and the Seahawks. I would say the Cardinals need to win two of those games at least in order for Kyler Murray to be the starting quarterback of this team because where New England is, um, if they keep on losing, and then obviously Chicago just won last night. It's basically mm-hmm. Arizona or New England for the second overall pick now. Yeah. They both deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Moving on to the Atlanta Falcons. First in the NFC South, by the way. Um, Bijan Robinson, like we are not getting – True bell cow usage, but it is going up in terms of 39 of 62 snaps, which is 63%. Um, 16 of 34 running back carries at 47%. He did see six targets in this game for nearly 29% share. So mm-hmm. it's what we're talking about where as the season goes on and the peer pressure gets to Arthur Smith, hey, let's utilize our explosive players. And I'll add, if this trend continues, we get the Panthers, the Colts, and the Bears in weeks 15, 16, and 17 for Bijan and the Falcons. I think it's setting up beautiful for Bijan Robinson. So hopefully you make the playoffs. If you drafted Bijan the last two weeks, 15.8, 14.6 expected happy bar points. He's up to RB 14 in usage. And obviously he's very capable of ripping off a big play, dropped a couple passes, uh, bounced everything to the perimeter this last game. But we did get Arthur Smith designing a nice little play action wheel route against a linebacker for that touchdown. So uh, Algiers still going to be in the mix just a little bit, but we are seeing this team completely go to the ground game uh, right now. They are dead last in neutral pass rate. They're running the ball uh, on the ground as much as they can. And then when they are throwing the ball, a lot of them are going to the running backs. He has such a unique running aesthetic. I think like his head is almost always angled towards the ground. I'm sure he's it looking is. forward, but it's just like how the hammock helmet uh, goes down. And then he's always leaning forward. At the same time, too, but at the same time, despite that lean forward lean, we're getting still those explosive lateral yeah. cuts on top of it. Yep. Hey, neutral pass rate. I mean, look at this is poor Drake London right right here. They are dead last by a mile in wide receiver fantasy usage. Drake London still was able to get it done last week to some extent, uh, but he has to have all the usage. This is just going to be a beach on backfield. Buffalo Bills. So now we're, what, in the second game of the Joe Brady era? Unfortunately, because we recorded two episodes of Scheme, did not get to go back and watch this Sunday night, no, Sunday game, just in general. Um, But what we did see was 16 carries for James Cook, nine carries for the Tavis Murray, six carries for Ty Johnson, another seven targets for James Cook. So as we've talked about, have you ever been on vacation? After a long day of activities or sightseeing, you have a night in room service, bathrobes, and television or movies. And when you're in a foreign country, you scroll Netflix or Hulu or whatever streaming service you have, and you realize that the library of content there is so much larger than it is in the United States. 
you start a new show, a new series. And when you get back home, you realize you now have to find that on a different service or pay for it in a different way. That is where Surfshark comes in. It's a VPN service that lets you virtually travel the world with a tap of a finger. You can go to Spain, Canada, Costa Rica to watch the content available in those countries. So you can try Surfshark today, totally risk-free with a 30-day money-back guarantee. And get Surfshark VPN at surfshark.deals slash underdog. Or enter promo code underdog for three extra months for free. You heard me right. Three extra months for free. That is surfshark.deals slash underdog. Again, including Josh Allen runs, which was nine for 81 and two scores. That was 40 carries for this team. And then running backs got nine of the 29 receptions in this team too. So they are now middle of the pack in neutral pass rate this month, obviously including some games with Brady as the play caller. And they've always been one, two, or three, like for as long as I've been doing this in neutral pass rate. So this is a new addition. And when we watch uh, the James Cook tape here, some of these are design stuff. This isn't just like checkdowns. There are a couple design looks for James Cook, including this one, this wheel route that he did drop. So it is a rotation, but even with the rotation, because they're using the running backs, to this extent, James Cook still had his best usage game of the season last week after setting it a new high the previous week uh, just because they're throwing him the ball and they're getting some explosive runs with it as well. So even though they lost, I thought the Bills offense looked very good. Josh Allen was an absolute animal out there as well, but they are getting some uh, ground game usage out of all of their backs right now. That drop touchdown, as you saw, um, Joe Brady said that James Cook sitting out the drive after that potential touchdown pass uh, had nothing to do with the play. It was a product of the team's rotation at running back. And we've talked about the rotation at running back. So I actually believe him. it's out of control. Like to try to find a trend on what what's going on here. Uh, it's above my pay grade. <laughs> wow. Look at that. That's one of the more scattered. I think I've seen this season in terms of the roller coaster of emotions yeah. that you live through as a Buffalo Bills fan. Shout out to Liz Keevil. Yes. Shout out. Okay. Cincinnati Bengals. Um, it's our first game in a Jake Browning led offense from start to finish. Not fun. No. Um, <laughs> the big play that Jamar Chase got was a deflected pass and yeah. he caught it and ran with it. Uh, this is not a world I want to live in. It's not season low for Joe Mixon, 6.7 expected happy points. season low for Jamar Chase at 5.6 and then Tyler Boyd at 5.3. They ran 41 plays. I mean, 41 plays. I, their defense can't get off the field. Bad defense, real bad defense, I will say. And their offense can't move the ball. The 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 first the first downs, it was the one you talked about the the Jamar Chase one, and then it was just Joe Mixon found some daylight on a screen or dump off. I forget. That was it. That was the ball game. So I don't know. It's it's not a good formula right now. So I think I think we're hoping that we can get Garrett Wilson stuff out of Jamar Chase, but we shall see. The Joe Mixon stuff too is it, it's just it's totally over. because it, it is over. You know, he was a frustrating player for most of the season, just like he was last year. He went back to back weeks with scoring a touchdown, and we got this game, and it was eight carries for sixteen yards. Um, and then next week, Hayden, they get the Jacksonville Jaguars, who go out there to try to stuff the run. Uh, and then two weeks after that's the Minnesota Vikings, that statistically are really good against running backs too. I will say. There wasn't a lot of neutral uh, pass rate stuff because they didn't wow. run that many plays in neutral in neutral situations. 
they did throw the ball everywhere. And especially <laughs> against Jacksonville, maybe Jamar Chase can get his way to 10 targets and remain uh, in the mix. But it's I think it's just him. Everyone else, see ya. Okay. Off to another backup quarterback scenario. It's the Cleveland Browns. This one a little bit better. Uh, first with the running back rotation, Hayden. Um, because last week at this time, we were talking about how it was the first half Jerome Ford, second half Kareem Hunt. It felt like this was just way more Jerome Ford than Kareem Hunt, point blank, period. And that is good to know for the information because he is an explosive player. He got way more of the touches, but boxed uh, names means goal and opportunity. Exactly what we thought. So at least we have an answer. Last week, uh, we didn't, we couldn't solve the the issue. This week, it was back to normal. Jerome Ford's their guy until they get into short yardage because Cream Hunt has just been better in that situation. So Jerome Ford's actually the RB11 in usage this month, averaging 10.5 expected happy points without Deshaun Watson. I am afraid that's going to be tough to keep up. Uh, I don't really trust this offense right now. Well, let's talk about the passing game a little bit. DTR has a concussion, right? It might be Flacco. Flacco, PJ Walker, someone. I will say this DTR passing chart was different than the week before where literally everything was just a line across five yards. Mm -hmm. It seemed like he did try to stress it a bit more further down the field. Um, But what that still equals is no Amari Cooper, despite six targets, two receptions. We're still getting David Njoku love, which we love because, look, Stefanski is probably one of these play callers and among the list who will sit in his room and say, okay, if I need to manufacture seven, eight yards on first down, second down, third down, then I'm going to scheme it up with these screens or these design throws. And David Njoku is one of those players who's a big body who can rump up the catch and is the beneficiary of all that. He's up to the tight end two in usage this month. He's only the tight end nine overall in actual production. There was a bunch of screens in the previous games. And I was like, I was surprised at how few design opportunities were in this last game. What happened is real late in this game, you can see the prevent defense. Yeah. And then David Njoku was just checking releasing. So that's a little bit scary to chase, but I am with you. Like if Amari Cooper is going to be banged up right now, like David Njoku is their only other option. Elijah Moore is like bottom three. And like every single model that I pushed out there for these wide receivers, it's not been going well for Elijah Moore. So to me, the easy answer would be David Njoku. And if it is Joe Flacco, that's great news for tight ends and great news for running backs because nobody is going to get the ball out quicker and dump it off faster than Joe Flacco. Denver Broncos. I mean, they keep winning, man. The moments of magic are there with Russell Wilson. You know, he, those third down throws where, mm-hmm. you know, he climbs the pocket or he escapes and then lets it loose. A fourth and three scramble, which uh, he did fumble a bit later on. But it's it's interesting. You go back and look at, Oh man, those were some fun Russell Wilson plays. And then you realize those were the only plays that he made the entire game because it's 13 of 22 for 134 yards, one touchdown. Did have 11 carries for 34 yards in a score, which Mm -hmm. to me is another signal of how much better he probably feels physically this year than he did last year and how he is allowed to, uh, let's say, home cook more often. (laughs) They have like the formula. They are winning with defense, not getting absolutely shredded and then they're playing a balanced opportunity on offense their bottom 10 in neutral pass rate when they do pass the ball it's going to one guy and one guy only and rightfully so Corlin Sutton's playing out of his mind like even some of these these pass interference calls 
have been money, money, money receptions as well. So Corlin Sun's the only guy in this offense, aside from Javante Williams, that we should actually care about uh, this month. Sutton is the wide receiver 16 on wide receiver 16 usage. Jerry Judy completely not involved. Uh, it's it's crazy how unproductive he's been. Yeah, I mean, 11 yards this week. Previously, it was 58, 35, 50, 64. I really hope we don't get Jerry Judy hype pieces out there. I mean, he might get traded, you know, like I think that's a piece. If they want to move on, then maybe another team will stick to their pre-draft grade on him. But like, I'm not sure. It's, yeah. it's tough. Uh, Javante Williams this year has 3.2 half PPR points over expected, meaning he's not living up to his usage this season. I think he's been running hard, but just not everything's been aligning uh, as much recently. So maybe that's just like a little ACL fatigue or offensive line not playing as well. We'll see. Uh, and on the Jerry Judy stuff, I, I've always been a doubter. I just want to put that out there. So maybe I'm a bit biased in that take, but I don't know if it's yards per route run or whatever, but every year, or maybe how he like animatedly runs his routes uh, to me might be even a bit too much. And it leaves him a bit chaotic yeah. as, as a player. He had okay. a good stint late last year where he averaged like 65 yards for like multiple months, but that's been it. Yeah. Detroit lions. They're the first game on Thanksgiving. Hayden and I both had turkeys in the oven and were awaiting the birds to leave. Um, they lost in this game and they were down big 20 to six. So this is not a frequent game script that we get from this Lions team. No. In that case, what did it do for the running back position? So it was a drive by drive rotation early on. Uh, David Montgomery gets in there with a touchdown. Let me pull up the chart here. It's a lot more Montgomery early on, but Gibbs, his drives ended immediately. So he would have gotten more opportunity. And then late in the game, once it was very clear that the Lions were trailing big it was a lot more jameer gibbs obviously uh he is the better receiver so they wanted to get him on the field and that's how sam laporta also bounces back we talked about some of his splits with these two right. running backs the caveat being we didn't think that the lions would be losing by multiple touchdowns almost immediately so this game was completely out of whack so it's like almost hard to like lean into this too much except if this Lions defense is really bad for the rest of the year. And I think that is a legit threat. I mean, the Dave Montgomery stuff, he found the end zone once again, uh, short of the two point conversion, but 17.6, 16.8, 15.1. He obviously is a touchdown dependent player, but Hayden, look where you see them at the top of the fantasy running back usage in the last, what, four weeks. Uh, I'm okay living with a touchdown dependent player uh, when he's on the team that utilizes their running backs the most. Yeah, and he, he'll catch a couple passes. He's still out there on other things as well. So it's not... He can break off a long run too. Like it's yes. it's not just the mm -hmm. Jamal Williams stuff that we got from last year where he has to score a touchdown. There's a mm -hmm. bit more on top of it. But it's almost to the point now through 12 weeks where this is kind of the split that we expected in a way. Like, hey, when there's super negative game script, which I don't expect the Lions to be in at all the rest... Well, Often, let's put it that way, the rest of the season. Mm -hmm. uh, then Jameer Gibbs is going to play more, right? And he's getting the runs the outside. And yes, they did go drive by drive. But again, I think if a player is going to be more likely to score a touchdown in this game, in each game, it's Dave Montgomery. It is. I just think that with Jameer Gibbs in a situation like that, he is the guy I would rather have and work out this last week. Um, but they're figuring it out. I want both of them as totally. fringe RB ones, kind of depending on the matchups. Yeah. You know, we got comments last week of why are you 
advising people to start both? Why are you advising people to rank or mm -hmm. theorize both as top 15 players? And again, it goes back to what you just showed of split backfields are not the same across the league. And when a team is utilizing them at this rate, you can rank both as top 12, top 14 options because they utilize and run their offense through them so often. It's basically them and the Eagles inside like the five yard line, their percentage of plays that are runs. It's just those two teams. So these guys get the rock. Yeah. I mean, just looking at that, uh, Dave Montgomery has 22 carries inside of the 10 yard line that is tied for the fourth most in the league. And, time. <laughs> and that is despite how much time he missed. Um, crazy. And actually that's only 51% of the team's carries inside of the 10 yard line. Cause Jameer Gibbs also has 13 of his own. Mm -hmm. uh, Montgomery has seven touchdowns from that area and Gibbs has three. Okay. Green Bay Packers. Once again, shout out today's episode scheme on Jordan love and really this passing offense. It's been a really strong four game stretch for Jordan love. And I would say a strong four game stretch for these young pass catchers. Let's remember mm -hmm. two of them are second year players. Three of them are rookies. They're all starting to kind of blossom together. And from my eyes, Hayden, um, one, we finally got a Christian Watson week, which was fantastic. It was in fact, lots of catches away from his frame. He was elevating maybe a bit early on this first one, uh, sideline grab a bit later on. And what we really got was slot fades, some really nice releases. So we have that element from him. And then what we have from Jane Reed, on the other hand, is now their manufactured touch player and underneath route runner. I think he can do a bit more than that. Yes. But at least we have, you know, these two players in the roles that they're operating in on this offense. That was my big takeaway. Christian Watson, like this is like what the Packers need him to be. Like you have to make the contested catches and he did that. And there was a couple other routes where he was winning this last week. And that was the difference. He was a huge positive regression candidate, won some money on the old underdog fantasy because of Christian Watson on Thanksgiving. And then, yeah, I'm with you on the Jaden Reed stuff. It is manufactured touches, but he does have a little bit more juice than just that. So exciting young core uh, Tucker Craft is out there for like 88% of the routes if you're in a really deep league. But they have three wide receivers that they kind of get the ball to right now. Over the last month, Jaden Reed, wide receiver 38 in usage, Watson 42, and then Romeo at wide receiver 57. Any of those three could pop off for a wide receiver two game. It's going to be hard to kind of dictate who's going to do what. Christian Watson, the most boom bust. I would say Jaden Reed is the most steady just because of those manufactured touches. But to me, it's really how good is Jordan Love? And that was kind of my question to you, like from the scheme episode. What did we really learn about Jordan Love? I mean, when it's a drop back, hits his back foot and lets it go, it, it is such a beautiful stroke and rhythm. Yeah. I mean, he plays the position like aesthetically beautifully, you know? And what we are also seeing now is on those dropped arm angles, on those vertical shots that he was missing earlier this year, they've started to hit now in the last three to four weeks. Not obviously not all of them to Christian Watson, but some of them to Dontavian Wicks and some other guys. Um, and then I think Matt LaFour is seeming it up really well. Mm -hmm. I, I won't ruin scheme for all of you. Please go and watch it. Everyone knows against this Lions defense, the one guy you have to really think of is, is Aiden Hutchinson. And the way that they block that up was super smart. They had a speed motion from one of their tight ends across the formation into immediately just blocking as like an extra 
sixth, seventh offensive line because they already had another tackle or tight end on top of Aiden Hutchinson on that. There's times when there's at least four eyes on him, other times six eyes. Yeah. And then because of that, um, I asked Colt, like, hey, what if, what if he lines up on the opposite end, but you have this formation this way, and he had some cool answers. Anyways, I think the coaching and the talent and how it was so young and they were making mental mistakes over and over and over again, those have kind of vanished in the last four weeks. And it makes sense why it would this deep into the season. The whole team's on a post by Ricky Bunt, basically. Yeah. <laughs> now, with all that said, Kansas City Chiefs this week. And to reiterate, Lions defense, I think, is really going to struggle. Right. And they had the Chargers just before that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so now you get Steve Spagnuolo and yeah. uh, this defense that is playing at an elite Good level. Test. So it's it's a great test. We love seeing these types of matchups. Okay. Houston Texans. Nico Collins, Tank Dell. Tank Dell, Nico Collins. Both guys are really good at football. Both have been dominating <laughs> right now. Texans are number one in wide receiver usage this month. CJ Stroud's been absolutely incredible, um, even with a couple more turnovers recently. Yeah, these guys just work downfield amazingly, and I don't think it's going to really change right now this last month. Tank Dell, wide receiver three usage. Nico Collins, wide receiver 15. We'll see if Noah Brown returns, but I think that these two guys are just a tier above what Noah Brown was providing in this offense as well. But CJ Stroud, his, just a, his ability to kind of maneuver inside and outside the pocket, stepping up and then still keeping his eyes downfield. Not, not like looking for the check down when he's stepping up in the pocket, like stepping up in the pocket and letting this thing absolutely rip. Super tragic that Tank Dell didn't get that uh, that that downfield catch uh, called because of the, the penalty before the play. But CJ Stroud has just been so dominant. And my final comp for... Tank Dell, I think, is oh, T.Y. Hilton. I'm kind of feeling oh. in that kind of territory. Uh, big play ability. And then he just sticks there over the middle and is willing to take a big shot for somebody that's pretty small. And I remember T.Y. Hilton doing that at times as well. So I put this out there on Twitter. Just fun question. Mm-hmm. How many NFL trios that are locked into contracts for 2024 are better than C.J. Stroud, Tank Dell, and Nico Collins? We've got some really good um, answers here. Uh, yeah, Greg Rosenthal, Greg. I think, had a really good tier list of them. Yes, the Eagles, obviously, with their trio. Probably the Chiefs, Mahomes, and anyone. Uh, for 2024, what happens if Travis Kelsey retires? Then I wouldn't say Mahomes and anyone. We've kind of seen that this year. Good wide receiver uh, class coming in. <laughs> Let's count one of them. 49ers, I would agree with that. Um, possibly, maybe, the Dolphins. I think that's a fair judgment. I, I do think that obviously Tyree Kill is the best player of all six of them. And then probably not Dallas Cowboys, Dak CD plus anyone, Rams, and then the Seahawks. And that's the list, man. That is the list. And let's add on top, this team's going to have some salary cap money. And you can just bring back our boy Noah Brown on top of that too if you want to. <laughs> yeah, and they have linemen that haven't played this year that are supposed to be pretty good. So, I mean, what a setup for Houston. And like the reason we're not including like the Cincinnati Bengals or something like that, T. Higgins isn't under contract. This is just for under contract players for 2024. Um, yeah, pretty, pretty good stuff. Uh, okay. We had some news just really with uh, Damian Pierce returning. Oh, yeah. It was very clear what the situation was. Damian Pierce got a couple early down carries, but Devin Singletary did have the two goal line opportunities, did play on all the passing situations. He got the ball. Uh, check down to him a couple times as well. So Damian Pierce for now has been 
relegated to just uh, handcuff duties on early downs. And when I watched him, it looked like he still was kind of battling through whatever his ailment was. I don't have time to do it in season. Sorry, everyone. Maybe you think that's a cop out for me to say this because I was so high on Demon Pierce heading into the season. But I do want to go back and rewatch. Obviously, this team's pass protection, despite this game, has been really elite for multiple weeks when since Laramie Tunsil and some of the other pieces returned uh, this week, it did regress a little bit with that. But despite the pass blocking being so good for so long now, the run blocking still hasn't been there. Um it has gotten better the last two weeks a little bit, but for like the vast majority of the season, I did feel like that was greatly impacting the rushing success. Um, but I want to go back and look at the individual Damon Pierce because, again, I, I think he was extremely talented last year and this year, not so much. No, I, this is also a team that I think a lot of mock drafts will have a running back on day two. It makes sense. Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, Antonio Pierce told us once taking over as interim head coach, that he's going to give Josh Jacobs the ball a lot. Well, he's been truthful. 24 touches in this game, yeah. Hayden. Uh, we did get Jacoby Myers working over the middle of the field quite a bit early on. Six receptions, 79 yards, and a score. And then Devontae Adams, five for 73, when Aiden O'Connell looked quite accurate in the first half. Josh Jacobs in the four games with Aiden O'Connell, and obviously there's some overlap with Antonio Pierce. He's averaging 17.2 expected half PPR points, so... It's hard to not, it's hard to get away from outside like the top six, seven, kind of depending on the matchup. Obviously, when you're dealing with the Raiders, things can completely crater. And we've seen this yeah. at times as well. But it's good to see his legs underneath him. He looks better. I would say from like mid October till now, he's looked better than what he did. Uh, obviously, missing training camp as well. So maybe that was something that was playing into it. And then, yeah, Jacoby Myers looked better this last game, but it's been the only game with Aiden O'Connell where he's been relevant at all. So I'm not going to be really chasing that. I'd like to see him prove it. One more time. In the meantime, Devontae Adams been the uh, wide receiver 20 on wide receiver 10 usage. It's just such a low people, low relevant fantasy team right now. Yeah. And also lots of rumors already that he'll be leaving the summer uh, and that the Jets will try to go back in for him. That would be a spicy duo from them. We'll get to the Jets in a moment, though. Okay. Los Angeles Chargers. I mean, I don't have much to talk about this team. We, we kind of <laughs> outlined it where... It is Justin Herbert trying to throw to Keenan Allen. And like, once again, Hayden, the right tackle spot is like a huge issue, even though our guy Storm Norton got the hell up out of there. Um, and then to the point where Quentin Johnston gets benched. I mean, he had a rib injury. Brandon Staley, though, came out when asked and said it was actually the coaching staff decision to bench Quentin Johnston after that ribs injury. He earned the benching. I'll put it that way. It's been real tough. Uh, it's getting to the point where it's like uh, it, we're getting to the Nikhil Harry, Jalen Rager train like basically immediately. If you can't get it done with Justin Herbert, that's a really bad sign. They lost everybody. Um, Keenan Allen is the wide receiver two in usage overall. Gerald Everett was out there uh, last week, but only 57% of the routes. I guess he's fantasy relevant, more like DFS type of play. And then Austin Eckler, he just has not been the same player, you know. Just like you can just feel how all the injuries have added up. Obviously, we had the run from a couple weeks ago, but the usage is just not the same too. And I think the reason why his usage is not quite as elite as it was previously is because the offense just isn't as good. It's Justin Herbert by himself out there, and against last week's pass rushers with the right tackle, it was just not going to work. 
Um, I've wanted to try to find that video that we did with Brian Heath because the thumbnail was of Austin Eckler and the age cliff. And, you know, I'd put the... Oh, yeah, the old man Eckler. <laughs> the yeah. old man Eckler. Cursed I him. Mean, I, I did curse him. I've cursed a lot of people this year. Just shout out to Keen Allen, by the way, against a yeah. Mike McDonald defense. 16 targets, 14 receptions, 106 yards, when no one else on the team had more than six targets or five receptions. It's incredible what he's doing. Unreal scheme stuff. episode. Underrated scheme, ep- or not scheme, uh, Steve Smith knows ball episode from early in the year with Keenan. There you go. Miami Dolphins. Hey, good team. Good offense. Uh, 34-13. We talked about it on Sunday night. Um, I don't know if A-Chan's coming back this week, but we are getting almost like power runner Raheem Mostert stuff. He did have a 34-yard run Mm -hmm. in this game. But uh, yeah, I mean, for honestly, one of the first times all season, it feels like Hayden. We got running game points. Jalen Waddle over 100 yards, and then Tyreek Hill over 100 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, everything was clicking. It was Raheem at the very end of the game who popped off. Uh, he was due for a big play. It had been like a legit month since he had a long touchdown run. Obviously, uh, McDaniel's going to dice up some of those. Uh, I didn't have a lot of notes here. I'm with you. Just still waiting to figure out if A-Chan's going to return. They said it wasn't a setback. I don't know what the definition of setback is. It sort of certainly seemed like it was a setback. Um, he was limited all week last week. I'm going to guess he returns this week, but maybe they play it slow and keep Jeff Wilson kind of in the mix here as well. So I think we'll just kind of follow what the beat reporters are saying with him. I didn't realize we had six play, six teams on by this week. It's We're back in hell. I mean, what? it's good for us, less teams to cover, but... For setting lineups, the we're going to get some nasty sit-start questions. Wow. Lucky for us. Um, okay. We'll keep it moving then to the Minnesota Vikings. They are one of those teams entering the bye. And Kevin O'Connell left the door open for a potential quarterback change. Wanted to evaluate the position. Um, that could be to Jaron Hall. That could be to Nick Mullins, who maybe has recovered from his back injury. But... You know, after turning into a pumpkin after a few games with the Arizona Cardinals, Joshua Dobbs has now done this in even a quicker span with the Minnesota Vikings. I kind of think that this is what you're going to get with Joshua Dobbs just as a player. I mean, what was always funny about Ryan Fitzpatrick going to Harvard was that at times he played like obviously a gunslinger that would just try to make these unorthodox, maybe unpredictable and not the smartest decisions. Um, you can kind of say somewhat the same things with Joshua Dobbs, who is the pastronaut, mm-hmm. uh, who is also going to live on the edge and be a high variance player. And it worked out for a while. And this past week it did. Right. And for fantasy, it's concerning because Justin Jefferson's returning. So if you were starting Hawkinson or Jordan Addison, it's just going to be a lot harder to kind of squeeze all of them unless we get Josh Dobbs back to where he was a couple weeks ago. So I hope they stick with Dobbs. It would be pretty surprising if one of these other guys is better than Josh Dobbs. At least we've seen like high variance, like good Josh Dobbs at times. So I hope they do stick with him. But with Justin Jefferson back, I do think the Jordan Addison stuff is going to be extremely hard to get there. I thought Addison caught that pass down the field, by the way. I thought he had a great game. I mean, mean, he's good, man. He's, he's really good. And, I wish they had reviewed that one for sure. There was no real angle that you could totally tell from the broadcast, but all that we got was one, and then we move on. Um, yeah. 
for a small player, he goes up and goes for it, you know, yes. and that, that was on tape at USC too. Um, I am with you that the Vikings should stick with Josh Jobs just for the entertainment factor. I don't yes. think I want to, but like, I don't think you can get more of a different player from Josh Dobbs than to like Nick Mullins, you right. know? And I'm not going to pretend to know what, to know Jaren anything Hall about Jaron. I've watched like 20 minutes of his film, uh, mm-hmm. back at BYU, but it wasn't saying a whole lot. Alexander Madison, Ty Chandler. Oh yeah. This offense is, it's just not good enough for this rotation to matter. Really? I guess in bye weeks we'll have to kind of figure it out, but I mean, we just watched like they couldn't really move the ball last week at all so it's going to be kind of a back and forth they're trying to get ty chandler more in the mix we've seen every single week there's a like report that the goal is to get ty chandler back in the mix and then it really just doesn't doesn't come to fruition it it seemed like it was 66 to 33 yeah and if by now it wasn't going to change it probably won't change like and like you're saying with offense not being as good um Basically, you need one of these guys to do everything in order for them to be a real factor in fantasy yeah. football on a weekly basis. Yep. Doing the Patriots, they have a running back who is doing great things at this moment. Um, if we're just looking at average fantasy points over the last four weeks, which Hayden Winks loves to do, Ramondre Stevenson is your running back five. 21, 11.7, and 19.2 with a bye week mixed in in week 11. We love it. Maybe your Mondre Stevenson teams are a little bit dead at this point in the season, but um, he's still good. He's hanging in there. All the players drafted around, around Ramondre have not been True. very good this year. Um, so, yeah, he, he looks just better, more fluid. If they do go to Bailey Zappi, Bailey Zappi is a walking Texas route to Ramondre Stevenson waiting to happen, uh, which we do love. Um, so, yeah, he just like looks better. He's getting a little bit bigger piece of the pie and there's just precedent here. Reminder Stevenson was very good in fantasy on an unwatchable team last year. That's the angle we're kind of treading towards at this point as well. Um, yeah. So he's the only one that's functional. I guess pop Douglas, if he is healthy, uh, maybe he's back in like a PPR scam wide receiver four during the bye weeks, but everyone else is just not going to matter. I don't know. Let's not turn, you know, Demario Pop Douglas into what the people are, you know, putting us on with Joshua Downs and call him a PPR scam. I mean, I just want to put Matt Harmon's charting out there. You know, I think Pop Douglas is not Josh Downs. I think he is a bit more of, hey, let's do these RPOs underneath routes. But mm-hmm. I actually do think he creates separation a bit more than anyone else on that team. That's for sure. He's not like Wandale where like everything's within Correct. five yards. It's a little bit more than that. It's just like when I'm watching the scoreboard and they're down three touchdowns and Bob Douglas is catching a lot well, of passes. That feels a little, you know, to your point, the quarterback might force PPR scams. Exactly. They, they have no other option. Um, I, I wanted to bring this up just kind of as like where things have gone. Um, this is just rookie quarterbacks since 20, 2006 Mac Jones as a rookie. This is Look PFF that. grades in a clean pocket. Mac Jones was, pretty damn good clean pockets the yards per opportunity the dropbacks uh scrambling ability just a little bit for mac jones things at one point things looked totally functional and then where we're at now it's it's um, he looks scared he looks like he doesn't trust anybody coaching staff offensive line skill players he doesn't even look like the same quarterback so i'm very curious to see what mac jones is going to do 
I'm guessing he's going to compete for like a, a really bad kind of like do the Baker Mayfield kind of trajectory. But I do want to remind people that at one point, Mac Jones was a functional NFL starting quarterback thing. That's just how bad the organization has been since then. Do you remember the name Joel Stave? I remember the name. I can tell you anything about him though. Wisconsin quarterback. This was back in 2015 when okay. I was running the college football slash NFL draft section over at yeah. Roto World. And he was 6'5", 219. He literally came out, his coaches came out and said that he had the yips and that like he just was refusing to throw the football. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying that's the what's happening here with Mac Jones, but it. I'm totally with you. We talked about it on Sunday night. There isn't a player to me that performed that well. And I'm not saying that he was a perfect prospect and certainly the athleticism and lack thereof stands mm-hmm. out, but to just fall off the face of the earth. There was a confident passing quarterback in yes. there at Alabama and as a rookie. Confidence, on-time, rhythm, highly accurate quarterback is completely gone away. And also, by the way, after you left the college football Roto World section, your boy inherited that. Oh. So it was go. it was me and Thor back in the day. So that was if you want to if you want to find a, a spot in this industry, college football Roto World section, that's where you get your start. There's the pipeline. There it is. Okay. New Orleans Saints are up next. So Chris Olave on 22 routes had nine targets, an awesome performance, and then he exits with a concussion. Um, it has been tough. We have seen for players who immediately come back and play within a week. Uh, it stinks because we had been waiting for this Chris Olave performance attached to Derek Carr, and we yeah. were getting it for like a half, and it could have been really special for an entire game. Yeah, he looked awesome out there. His route running is just so damn good when he's healthy. Uh, if he's going to miss, it sounds like Rashid Shahid's going to miss. Michael Thomas is on IR. I hate to make this a Taysom Hill discussion, but is he going to be my tight end one overall this week? Like, not even as a bit. Like, I mean, where else is the ball going to? Can I, can I make a case Hill. for someone else? Juwan Johnson? Yes. I had him popping up here too. I think Juwan Johnson is like a low-key ad with these bye weeks and all these tight end injuries because Mm -hmm. without Michael Thomas and, again, maybe without Chris Olave, Juwan Johnson is going to be heavily, heavily playing. Let's just Mm – he's going to be out there a lot. And he was the one that was popping up all throughout OTAs in the preseason. He had 9.3 expected half-year points. That was a season high last week. I think it's – quite likely that I'll have two Saints tight ends in my top 10, depending on Chris Olave's status. The new Atlanta Falcons. What could go wrong? (laughs) What could go wrong? What can go wrong? Okay, we'll keep it moving uh, with a fun player and one of your favorites in the New York Giants. Jalen Hyde is best performance as a professional. Six targets, five receptions, 109 yards. I thought this was a fun one to watch. We had that conversation earlier about Rasheed Rice of how they were just doing the same things that he's good at over and over and over again. The same thing is exactly true yeah. here with Jalen Hyatt. It's get him up to speed and let him stride it out. Crossing yep. routes through the heart of the defense. Sideline vertical routes that like you're seeing there. Short drag routes also across the formation. Um, this is it. This is what he's good at right now. It's what he's good at. That last rep was the a little bit concerning part where he is tiny can kind of get pushed around uh, against man coverage, but he's so fast, man. The, the first uh, play on this way to get his foot down. Tommy DeVito's dropping a couple of dimes in this one. I'll just put it that way. Uh, like that is a, I mean, that is a pass right there. What is, what the hell was that uh, a couple of weeks ago? So yeah, I, 
I think there's a lot of context going on here. There's some wide receiver injuries at play here. Um, I still don't see a, a full-time player. I still don't see a like full-time route runner. But for a third-round pick, I'm looking for single traits out there. And yeah. to me, there's a chance we can get Rashid Jaheed type of production out of him eventually, not in this offense. This Giants offense still sinks. New York Jets. Speaking of bad offenses, Hayden, the only thing I'll add to this is this conversation because it felt like prior to the year, this team would have to make the playoffs in order for Robert Sala and Joe Douglas to keep their jobs. Zach Rosenblatt, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he's basically saying if Aaron Rodgers wants these guys back, they are returning. So mm -hmm. even with his injuries and them obviously bottoming out this season, uh, the crew might all be back together in 2024. Yeah, we'll see if things look better. They still got to fix the offensive line. They still got to fix the wide receiver depth. Aaron Rodgers is, I would say, the worst GM in football based off of the offseason that he put <laughs> together with Cobb. Uh, Dalvin Cook, Alan you know Mazzard, you remember, remember when he subtweeted, not even subtweeted, just outright was like, Diana Rusini, you're wrong about this list that I had. He clearly had a list. I know. And the list was bad. It was a yes. bad list. Yes. Yeah. Um, I have nothing else to say about this team. I think it really stinks for Brees Hall, who um, is still a good football player, even though I think didn't Robert Sala come out this week and be like, hey, we need to hit, hit the hole harder. Like, make these three yard carries. I mean, he had seven carries in the game. Yeah, there was some content. He was, he was still saying that Brees Hall is good beyond that, but yeah, I mean, there's this offense is not going anywhere. He has Brees Hall has only one game above 14 expected half PPR points. It's just, they don't get to the goal line ever. Yeah. What I wanted to say was he has 569 yards right now on the ground, 320 receiving, which actually, lot. you know, he nearly has 900 yards already on this bad team reaching that thousand yard mark. And it was a conversation I had with the commenters, you know, this all summer long when I was advising people to draft Brees Hall yeah. and it was, Hey, coming off an ACL, who has ever done it other than Adrian Peterson and Jamal Charles. And you know, that 1000 yard mark was cited over and over and over again. Brees Hall's probably going to get that, you know, that's pretty amazing on a team that was led by Zach Wilson for yeah. 10 games so to me, just imagine what we were drafting him as and how good it would have been with Aaron Rodgers out there. I think it would have been a spectacular season for him. Until Aaron Rodgers was saying Dalvin Cook is not leaving this <laughs> damn field. But I, I'm with you. It's just I, I think that I think Tim Boyle is worse than, worse than Zach Wilson. Same. Yeah, I think very clearly. Same. San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> we go from the worst to the best. Um. I actually want to talk a little bit about Debo Samuel for yeah, a moment let's do it. because he was pretty involved in this game. Look, we all know that Christian McCaffrey is going to get his on a weekly basis. He might not get a ton of targets because this team doesn't throw their wide receivers that much, but Brandon Ayuk is literally one of the best separators and wide receivers in the NFL. So how is this team and how does Debo get home when he does? Well, we saw against the Seattle Seahawks to me in that first rep he had a choice route or an option route of the middle of the field against bobby wagner then immediately after that saw a carry for a touchdown run uh just working over the middle of the field now i think is probably his best avenue in yards after catch versus you know that spectacular season we saw a few years ago where it was a bunch of vertical routes that he was mm -hmm. hitting on too 
I think that he's lost a step, but he's still a pain in the ass to tackle and he's getting schemed up. And even the other games since his injury, he was getting schemed up. The problem was like Brandon Ayuk or George Kittle had like 75 yard touchdowns and like he wasn't still getting home. Um, but yeah, I always think that Debo Samuel is still very much in the mix. I wrote about this just looking at like when everybody is out there, uh, Debo, George Kittle and Ayuk looking at them. Uh, George Kittle averaging 7.1 expected half PPR points. That's down versus when Debo was out of there. Brandon Ayuk only at 8.5 expected half PPR points with Debo on the field. And then Debo himself, when he uh, has been healthy in the eight games at 10.9 expected half PPR points. So Debo is actually the one getting the most usage of the three when everybody is out there. That said, efficiency in this offense is out of control and all those guys are just dunking on my model as usual. We know that's what Shanahan does, but um, I think there's a good, good reminder. Don't forget about Debo Samuel, right? Just because IUK has graduated from that tier. Don't forget about how good Debo Samuel could be in this offense. And another reason I want to bring up his name is because they face the Eagles this week. We know in Philly four o'clock window, um, the Eagles, first of all, their corners aren't playing as good as they were last year in the perimeter, but yeah, if we know the weakness of this team, it's through the spine, even with Kevin Byard at safety now. So it could be some Chris McCaffrey work against these linebackers, yeah. or it could be Debo against yeah. these linebackers too. So I, I could see Kyle scheming up and again, putting that microscope as Stephen Ruiz likes to put it uh, on some of those third or fourth string linebackers. The Eagles are trotting out there. There's a reason why they have Shaq Leonard in the building right now. Yeah. There you go. Seattle Seahawks sticking with the NFC West here. I guess we can first start with Zach Charbonnet. This is the first game we had him as a full-time starter here. There was obviously nowhere to go against the San Francisco 49ers. And so that equaled 14 carries, 47 yards, and a long run of 10. He did have four receptions, but just 11 targets on top of that. So even the volume of 18 touches Mm -hmm. only equaled 58 yards. And with that, I thought his film looked pretty good. Like he broke that tackle right there. I thought he was hitting the right holes. They are obsessed with this look, the little tight end uh, look. Every week, man. (laughs) You know, I love to shout it out. We talked about it in the Shane Waldron episode of Scheme, by the way. It's crazy. But yeah, there's another uh, good force miss tackle from Zach Charbonnet. There were just a couple reps where like he was just hit like immediately when he touched the ball. Um, He's not going to have the the special juice that Ken Walker has. But Ken Walker has not practiced this week. They play on Thursday night football. Um, a lot of people complain that we don't do enough shows before Thursday night football. Well, if Zach Charbonnet is out there, I think he remains an upside RB two, even though it didn't work out this last week, they just trust him uh, a ton. He's had 16.4 and 11.4 in the two games without Kenneth Walker. So I think, I think eventually the volume will win out here. Gina Smith has been miserable this year in fancy football. Um, I thought this one from Michael Sean Dugar, one of the best beat writers out Mm -hmm. there, uh, First, Pete Carroll on Sunday said if there's one thing he'd like to see Geno Smith improve, it's getting the ball out quicker. Um, today, Geno actually agreed with that. From Geno, as you said, just processing, going through the reads, and getting the ball out to the design guy within the rhythm of the play. And the offense, then follow-up question, why the hesitation? Is it protection thing, coverage thing? What has you hesitant? I would say there's a little bit of everything. Anyways. Um, yeah. It feels that way. It does. Oh, totally. Um I don't know who that would trickle down to necessarily. Um, but again, just it's not running as pure as it did last season for Gino. That's for sure. 
Yeah, DK Metcalf's been like a top 12, 15 guy in the usage model every single week, and he's gotten there a couple times, but for the most part has been struggling. And then they can't get JSN going, and then Tyler Lock. That was kind of my point with JSN was like, if this, and I don't don't think you can figure this out in a week, right? Right. But like, if they want to fix it in the offseason, then, hey, rhythm throws to JSN over the middle of the field is probably the answer to that, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Justin Fields for like the 20th overall pick for to the Seahawks. Do you think that they would have interest in something like that? Or do you think they're going to ride mm-hmm. out with Gino and see what they have? I think they'll ride out with Gino. Yeah. Okay. I think they will. Tempe Buccaneers. I mean, Mike Evans continues to do it. Dude, this first catch... Uh, I'm not sure the order that we have this in, but his catch near the goal line, it was shocking to see this one right here. How he jumped up here and made this play was freaky. Maybe it looks like, I don't even know what he looks like. He is a free agent. He is on the wrong side of 30, but from like, let's say the fans that have covered this team for a while, they believe the most important thing to him is money. And like, he gets the most pride by getting the biggest contract. And so, Hayden, we know the age factor. We know that cliffs happen, but have you seen a sign of a decline in him? Absolutely. Better. He looks better right now than he did like the year before that last two years. He's he's been very healthy this year. And there was a couple of times where he's like dealing with the hamstring and ankle and all that type of stuff. But we talked about it like every single show we talk about, like, holy shit, look at that. Like there's been go balls where he's burning corners. And then obviously the I don't think the the leaping ability and the big play. That's never going away. Like throw this up at the goal line. Things are going to be happening. So, I mean, what an absolute special season for, for Mike Evans. When I thought most people, I would say, including myself, were beginning to write him off right now, last month, he's wide receiver six on wide receiver seven usage. I ranked him as a wide receiver seven or eight last week. And I think I'll be going back to the well. I mean, wide receiver eight overall for the season in points per game. Wow. Um, <laughs> I mean, were you able to get him? That's just after Amon Ra, A.J. Brown, Stefan Diggs, and that's it. Um, you know, injuries happen, and it can change how successful a player is in fantasy football. Yeah. I think Mike Evans was the biggest misstep I had in all of drafting this offseason. Because, mm-hmm. you know, this is how, from start to finish, no injuries, whatever, just point blank, this is the biggest miss and oversight that I had. Yeah, he's he's been awesome. And then Chris Godwin, on the other hand, he just has not been the same player. It's like so obvious that like Mike Evans is just way better than Chris Godwin is at this point. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll see. Uh, I'm assuming Baker Mayfield finished that game strong. That he he'll be back, uh, ready to go moving forward. And then Rashad White, 52 of 60 snaps. He had that injury going into this game. Right. Did not matter. He is a bell cow through and through right now. You want to guess who Mike Evans faces this week? Is it Marshawn Lattimore? No, Lattimore's on injured reserve. Oh, no, it's the Carolina Panthers. Oh, yeah. He crushes the Panthers historically. Crushes them. Okay. Um, Two more teams. Tennessee Titans. Man, I have nothing to say about these teams. I use this term on Sunday night. I'm going to use it again. Super streaky thrower. Will Levis is right now. Like, again, there was a six-play sequence where he went six for six. And then after that, it's like, Where's the ball going? Yeah. What are we doing here? He still is aggressive down the field. And like, even when you think that DeAndre Hopkins is going to get start getting going, then you look back on this box score and it's like four for 39. Yeah. And that's it. 
Yeah, we're just still figuring out if Will Levis is a NFL starting quarterback. Um, he's on the fringe right now. I'll say that. I don't think he's been very good. Even like his the long bombs, I just thought were like lucky prayers that converted. Since then, it's been pretty bad. That's trickled down to Derrick Henry, who's the wider or running back twenty six in usage this month. DeAndre Hopkins and he's been struggling on wide receiver twenty two usage. So. Those are your two starters, and I guess we're just going to go all the way to the finish line, and, like, Tyje Spears is, like, not going to get an opportunity to become, like, the guy in this offense because Derrick Henry is an impeding free agent. Obviously, he's been the face of the franchise for a, a while, though. I, I believe that Mike Vrabel came out and was like, yeah, we want to give him the football, but Mike Vrabel is one of the least dependable players or coaches in terms of, you know, he's just saying stuff to get out of that freaking press conference. Yeah. Like, he, some coaches are very honest with us, I would say Mike Rabel probably ranks just going through and watching all these at the bottom of the barrel because, again, he wants to spend no time with the media. He doesn't seem like he likes to talk. I feel like whenever they cut to him on the sidelines, he's just staring there, like not saying anything. He just like, look at my face. You know I'm mad. It felt like it was rough early on, but then they really stabilized and the the Panthers struggled to create uh, disruption. So maybe they figured it out a little bit. Okay. Washington Commanders. What is there to say other than free agent to be the guy I can never quit Curtis Samuel popping up with some love here he popped up obviously in negative game script it's gonna help and this team continues just to fire the ball like crazy third in neutral pass rate number three in wide receiver fantasy usage and then this is like a hilarious chart just targets per game this like most recently the commanders are just completely by themselves so yeah Del Rio is out of there um, and Rivero will be next. And we'll see if Sam, Howell, if they truly believe Sam Howell is going to be their guy, um, the sacks, missed throws, turnovers, all that stuff's been acting up a little bit more recently. Yeah. R- Rivera was recently asked, I think in a press conference, Hey, what are you proud of? Um, like <laughs> during your tenure, basically. I mean, cause everyone knows. Right. And he's yeah. like, one, we changed the culture, which he did like for if, sure. If Ron Rivera, and he does do things well, but the best thing, and he did this in Carolina too, is come in and the team becomes a Ron Rivera led team. Like he gets you back on track. Yeah. Bad things don't happen as often under him. Right. Yeah. He, he runs a hardship. Um, and then the other one, he's like, and we found our franchise quarterback for this team in Sam Howell. Okay. I mean, that's, I, you can see the glimpses. I, I believe totally. on the rookie contract, a really fun player too. Yeah. There there's, I don't think there is like a, Maybe Jaden Daniels, it sounds like some of the draft guys think that he might sneak into the first round, but I think that gives him one more chance. Yeah, basically. Um, Yeah. How about Ron Rivera, Carolina Panthers head coach again with with Greg Olson as OC? You know what? Greg should Greg should do the John Lynch thing and be the GM. Or just stay in the booth. Just keep threatening. Well, you know what really is? You're going to make some more money. And then I put this on Twitter and then I deleted it because actually Greg has – I once, I once posted because you know he ran a ludicrous forty, like a four oh, five a five forty or something, or like freak. a four four nine, yeah. and it was like in year eight, and I was like, yeah, that four four nine forty doesn't have any more for Greg Olson, and then after the game he comes back and chirps me. He did, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Let me let me try to find it. Let me try to find it. Was that during when he was filming Dexter or no? <laughs> Greg Olson, Dexter's a fantastic. Or was let's put that. Okay, good. Greg Olson, eighty eight. Let's see if I can find this real quick. This Greg, is in, in the meantime, Greg is an awesome guy in the booth, in my opinion. My, oh, yeah. Here we go. It's from 2014. <laughs> 2014. 
I think, oh, I went back and deleted my old tweets like a long time ago. Okay. Um, rewatch the tape. Oh, it's still now. That was me saying that he doesn't run like a four five five anymore. Wow. I love that, man. I love Did it. You when add him or what? You didn't add him. No, I didn't add him. He just searched you for his name. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. incredible stuff. Wow. Yeah. Love it. My main point was uh, it's probably time for a, a new contract for Greg Olson. And this is why like, hey, when there's no time for the Panthers to interview any current coaches, because they can't do that, I think, until like January 12th. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, why not throw your name into yeah. the hat and uh, also get a new contract at Fox? Yeah, I think Justice Mosquita Mosquita said that Tepper is a piggy bank and that everybody is going to be threatening to see if they can get uh, big contracts out of Tepper and then leverage that for their own gigs. Smart, very yeah. very smart. Um, and yes, I found the Titans pass protection because again, it's been woeful this season. Uh, just one sack, just two hits. Just five hurries. So they rebounded quite in a big way. Um, but I think that was only on 28 dropbacks. So that's part of it too. Yeah. All right. There it is. Hour and 43 minutes on the dot. Shout out to producer Weaves. Shout out to Hayden Winks. Shout out to all of you. We are back to our regularly scheduled programming this week. This week, we will have tiers and rankings on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We will also have a new episode of Scheme on Calvin Ridley coming out. Number two. Finally utilizing him. Um, And next week, Hayden and I and the Dog Bowl will be in Miami. And hopefully some of you have qualified. Let us know if you've been playing. And let us know if you qualified in the comments down below. I I recognize a lot of the names that are the qualifiers. So I'm excited to meet everybody. Um, Let's wear some some. Fun outfits. We're in Miami in, in December. Take advantage. It's supposed to be 78 degrees, Josh. So bring bring the sunscreen. And SPF I want to have 78. Yeah, exactly. We're gonna we're gonna pull some fits off. How about that? Okay. Sounds good. Um, <laughs> all right. Thank you, all of you. Up the villa. We'll talk to y'all soon. See.